That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Niagara Moon Losing my opinion Do you want to start by talking about your fly problem or? I got a real fly problem going on. This is no joke. I am only going to be about 50% present for this episode. There are flies all over this apartment. Don't tell who you mean. I don't know why it's going on. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it started. Uh, It just happened a few hours ago and I've killed so many flies and they just keep coming. But you got, you got music to show me to take my mind off things. I do. I hope the flies don't pick up on the mic, though. Is my that's my concern. Well, hey, now I don't want to distract the listener. Uh, what's what do you call it? Verite cinema, there. You know. Sure. I'm recording my environment as is. What what can you say? Yeah, and that's what we're all about here. You know, speaking of of uh, align, alignment with uh, ambience and creating the right environment for your topic, um, I am the one who should have really dressed up for my topic today. Is that so? Uh, I don't have a cape and a wizard's hat, though. I'm going to be talking about prog music in a roundabout way. And I know I can sort of hear a collective groan from our listeners at this point. You think our listeners don't like prog? um, We're not the the Sex Pistols podcast over here. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Haven't people come around on prog overall? Like people either just go, oh, it's not for me or they respect it. Are people really still shitting on progressive rock maybe maybe not i mean i think it sort of depends on what kind of prog you're talking oh. about you know is it like the jethro tull kind or you know like what like what are we talking about and that's it's kind of part of the conversation from today so i want to talk about like an often maligned practice in pop music one that seems like i think we probably have mixed feelings about on this podcast which is the concept album mm. and you know, I'm I'm sorry. I apologize in advance that this is the topic I came up with for today. But really, like, what what are we talking about? What is a concept album? It's such a loosely thrown around mm-hmm. term, and I think we kind of use it now to talk about like any record that has even the slightest bit of continuity between song narratives. Yep. Uh, I can barely define it. I think it's like something to do with overall narrative concept yeah. that holds an album together, and. We really start to, like, in trying to examine a lot of the classic concept albums when talking about this podcast today, it's like, you could start to disqualify a lot of them just based on that one categorization. Like, musicians aren't known for their narrative continuity, or it makes absolutely no sense, or there's just, like, no actual concept. Like, I'm thinking of Tommy, which is fairly incomprehensible. Uh, they made a movie out of it, though. <laughs> Which was also, I think, even more incomprehensible. Shout out to Quadrophenia, though. That is a great movie, uh, if I remember correctly, and a great album. My favorite Who album. Never seen the movie. Uh, movie was well done, I thought. Album makes more sense narratively yeah. than Tommy does. Uh, and Peppers, right? Which has zero continuity. It's a, con- after a concept the first album two for songs. two songs. Yeah, which whatever <laughs> right billy billy shares is like hey what's up all right goodbye everybody and then it's just here are some psychedelic songs um some of those pink floyd albums that we call concept albums like dark side of the moon how is that a, how do you track the narrative mm. concept of that album yeah. uh you know I, I think often we're what we're talking about is like something that has thematic continuity but not like a narrative 
continuity. Like Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On," like that's a concept album. If we're talking about thematic, no, it certainly is continuity. Um, but like, you know, saying it's of a common musical fabric between the songs, you could say that about most great albums. Like the wall, okay, that's a concept album that hangs together, but it's also extremely annoying. Oh, and that come on, it's it's only mildly brings me annoying. To my next, <laughs> I still like the wall. Brings me to my next. Uh, Roger Waters is on his like I'm still annoying tour right I'm now. Still actually. annoying. That's the name of his new album. <laughs> that's the name of his new album. Yeah, uh, brings me to my next point. We talked about last week, and I forget the name of the band already, and I'm sorry. Uh, we talked about a story song that Thomas you felt was maybe something to feel guilty about enjoying which one the uh, uh Casa, Casa the moon Ooh, i love that one Casa love that moon. Song. yes and i really enjoyed that song uh, i liked it because I'm, I'm annoying in the right ways uh but there's that pretension i think that that creeps into the brain when you hear that an artist is attempting to make a concept album uh and that brings me to Prague. so Prague is known for having this wealth of concept albums and and i, I guess the question is why uh, I would say, well, nerds, nerds mm-hmm. is why. They're thinking a lot, writing stuff down. They don't give a shit about pretension. And it's it's kind of admirable in that way. And those concept albums tend to come from bands in that genre because they have a really symbiotic relationship with the audience. Like, you know, Rush or Dream yes. Theater, they don't worry about how the audience is going to take their weird ass uh, conceit. No, that's, that's what they're there for. Right. There's no fear of consequences, I think, in Prague from the artists that are releasing those those concept records. They they have faith in the reception. Would you agree with that? I would agree you... with that. And there are f- three flies by the window right now. But yes, you make a very valid point so far. Do you think that they agree with my point I too? I think they're like, I want to get out, but I'm just going to hang out for another hour buzzing around the window, driving me nuts. This is like an Edgar Allan Pope well, let's see if I can convince uh, them further. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you so far. Um, you know, I always, I, let me get this uh, off my chest uh, as we go in here. I always like the idea of a concept album. As I was exploring, what have you, you know, throughout my youth, learning about different genres of music, whenever I'd be like, oh, this, you know, because they, they always have the cool covers, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. especially in progressive rock, you get some great album covers. Whenever I'd hear like this, this is a concept album. This is exploring this theme and it does it in this interesting way over, you know, this time span. I was always all ears. I, I always, you know, maybe I wouldn't end up liking the music, but that was always something that would entice me. I was always down for that. Sure. Yeah. Same. Oh, same. Yeah. I never the same kind of child. I, you know, you, you, you see like, uh, the cover of Aqualung or whatever. And if you're like, Oh, I wonder mm-hmm. what this sounds like. Uh, well, before we get really deeply into the program, like there are classic concept albums that are totally outside of that. I would look to Kendrick Lamar's good kid, Mad City is one of the best in recent memory. Like that could be like a novella if you just put it on a page, uh, Supion Stevens. Those are lyrically heavy, obviously. Oh yeah. Supion Stevens, Illinois Illinois, sort of fits into the mold because it's like tunes from a region. A lot of historical fiction or not, not so fiction. Oh Yeah. yeah. Um, but Prague really is where we get this wealth of like narrative-driven mm-hmm. stuff. You brought, you know, Jethro Tull, Aqualung, and Thick as a Brick. Thick as a Brick. That that's a concept <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough concept. Uh, you can enjoy those records, follow the narratives, and also make fun of them. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a great combo for like a good concept album. Really, the best concept album of all time for me 
is Ziggy Stardust, and it's like Prague adjacent. Yeah, Proto Prague or what have you. Proto Prague. It's it's fun. It's cartoonish. Songs are amazing. Uh, are you a fan of Genesis? The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. You know, uh, on the previous podcast, I started exploring Genesis a little bit with a fan of mine, Joe. And uh, there's something going on there. I feel like I maybe missed a window. Like if I was 14, I would be more ready to go all in. But they're they, they're on the back burner. Yeah, yeah. I have I have a similar uh, feeling with like uh, Rush. You know, I have a lot of friends that are into them, and I just can't. You know, I'll never the get into of Rush. I've been recommended. The, the, the sound of that voice just can't, can't do it. Sorry. It's yeah, it's rough. People have not for me. have brought twenty one twelve to me so many times, Dude, and I've not listened to it. The rhythm is in Morse code. Is that so? Or that's X Y Z or some other? Yeah, there's a, a song where the drum beat, like the rhythm they play, is literally Morse code for what they're singing about. Mm. Um, so okay. Well, maybe one yeah. day something will convince me to invest in that. Uh, well, I want to talk about, I'm going to finally arrive mm-hmm. at my point here. Uh, I want to talk about a Prague adjacent album that I think is one of the most underrated concept albums Ooh. from our favorite era of life. <laughs> I don't know about uh, life. Do not <laughs> music, at least. Musical life. And we, kinda, we, we don't talk about um, this record much. It's, it's from a fairly visible band. Okay. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. But I seem to remember you saying something about having conflicted feelings about this band I'm about mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, I might be, you know, uh, projecting something. But what are your thoughts and feelings uh, on ELO? Electric Loiter. Not, EL, not ELP. Right. ELO, ELO, the better of... Uh, <laughs> the angel to the, to the ELP's devil. Uh, yeah. Electric Lloyd, Lloyd Orchestra. Uh, <laughs> now, so, so Jeff Lynn looks like... Uh, what Jim Henson dreams about. Like, Je- Jeff Lynn looks like a Muppet Glorious perm, character. glorious beard, great glasses to match. Our listeners might know Jeff Lynn from this period in the late 80s and early 90s where he was, like, producing monster albums for huge artists left and right. Like, he produced Tom Petty's full... Joel Chattison... George Harrison, right? Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever, which oh, has like one. all of his hits, Won't Back Down, Free Falling, right? George Harrison's Cloud Nine, right? Which has got my mind set on you. He's a Wilbury. He's a traveling Wilbury. You know, all the traveling Wilbury stuff, he masterminded that. And uh, you might also know him from the work he did on the Beatles Anthology, which was like, you know, Free as a yeah. Bird, Real Love. He did all those singles, but he's got ELO. And like, that's his main... I think force. I think a lot of people know Mr. Blue Sky. I think that's a pretty big deal. That's a big song. Don't you? That's a big song. They have some big singles. Uh, Evil Woman is a big Evil one. Evil Woman. Dun, 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 dun. Living Thing. They're, they're mostly known for those like funkier tunes that made the charge. People think of like Don't Bring Me Down when they think of yeah. this band. Oh, think that's of, a big one. That's been in a lot of movies, yeah. Yes, Mr. Blue Sky. Like, these are songs you might hear in, like, an Adam Sandler <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think that there's a lot more going on here. Like, he, Jeff Lynn's known for this really clean, ornate, lush sound, yeah. which I think some people find to be a bit much. A little, little too intricate, a uh, little too obsessive. A little too obsessive, maybe. Uh, but I really dig his work through this like three album mm. run that ELO had with albums called El Dorado, Face the Music, and a New World Record. Uh, New World Record, I think that's yeah. Like their that's got uh, Living Thing is on there. Great. But El Dorado 
is our subject today. Have you heard of this record? So ELO, I already mentioned uh, Joe, a fan of mine. Shout out to Joe from previous podcast. Uh, we we ended up talking about hey Joe. Oh boy, I think it was Into the Blue. I'm I'm spacing, but it was okay. one of the big big ELO albums. Um, the one he recorded in Switzerland. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. And I liked a lot of the songs in there. I didn't love it all, but uh, I generally had positive feelings. There's some bangers on there. The po- the production style is crazy over the top, um, yeah. really intricate. You know, it's it's a vibe, but uh, I, I could get into it. We're gonna be we're gonna be getting over the top mm-hmm. today. We're gonna climb right over the top. Yeah, El Dorado. I've never heard. I can't speak to that one. So this is. 100% a concept album. Like, it's sort of like, by any stretch of the definition, it, it fits within, cleanly within that uh, definition. It's it's a dude who basically falls into a dream world that vaguely resembles, like, a combo of The Wizard of Oz and also, like, some Knights of the Roundtable shit. Uh, uh, this doesn't bode well so far. Does that, does that not sound appealing to you? I mean... Anyway, this character has all kinds of adventures, and he meets some other people, and you know, it's not uh, it's not you know, Beckett. That's, but, it uh, sounds already like too much. It's going to have the Tommy syndrome of it's too much plot to explain. In no, the no, world. no, 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 no. It's no. looser than that. No, it's some pretty basic okay. shit. Right. I mean, like this song is like now he's he's with uh, the hero, and he's talking to the hero. Oh, now he's with uh, damsel <sighs> in distress, and he's talking to her. It's like very um, single track minded okay. when it gets to the song topic. I want to start with a song that I think is maybe one of the easiest to enjoy. Oh, yeah. What, what hits did this place. album have? Am I allowed to, to ask that? Can't get it out of my head is the hit. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay. That's the hit. And I'm actually not going to play you that one today. Um, it's a slower tune. It's a ballad. I think it's very nice, very lovely tune. But let's start with the first song I want to show you here. It's called uh, Laredo Tornado. Laredo Tornado. And how much do you like this? Or are we going to get into that later? Are you, you're, is this really a guilty pleasure for you? It, you know, you kind of inspired me with that because I was thinking of like, well, what's like humiliating? And I was like, oh, like liking like wizard music is humiliating. So I was trying to think of music. the, the progiest type stuff that I enjoy. There are people who would say, that this is not Prague. Yeah, they, they kind of walk I mean, that line, don't they? It's like, what is yeah. this? Is this just like Beatles devotee stuff? Power pop? Is yeah. this really Prague? It's got, you know, classical instruments in it, but what was that? He's, he does kind of walk a lot of different lines. Uh, makes sense that mm-hmm. he became a producer. He really is is uh, a jack of all trades when it comes to uh, musical arrangements and pr- production. Like, he, he's a consummate professional, oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, and it's also going to make that really difficult for me to show you the songs today because they're all like really long and yeah, have a million yeah, different naturally. parts so uh but i'm going to start with the opening of the song and we'll see how that grabs mm-hmm. you um i just I'll, I'll open by saying you asked me how much i like this i love it okay I, I really love it um it is you know this this began my foray into like actual prog music uh, i think out of this i started getting into like king crimson oh, okay. things that are sort of more uh, squarely in that gotcha. realm. Uh, so in that way, it was like a gateway drug, All but right. um, I still do enjoy this, but I, I can't okay. defend it that well. Is it is <laughs> it underrated or is it overrated? I think this album's underrated because it's clearly a, cla- uh, a concept Eldorado album. Underrated. And I don't think we really All talk right. about it. 
Laredo yes. Tornado. Here we go. Clavinet. <laughs> I thought of you when I heard it. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's for him. A little funky, yeah. right? It's, it's not overly ornate so far. No. So I want to take you to the chorus. Is that okay? Hit me. Is that okay? Ooh, I do like that part that just happened. Here we go. Definitely ELO. Oh, yeah. yeah there's no uh, mistaking that. Oh, yeah. Let's do it all come together. Yeah, I definitely don't dislike this. I like the... I know it's way over the top, but, like... When the strings come in, it's just really nice here. That's creative. It's a nice line. There you go. What are your initial thoughts? Because I really, I had a great time listening um, Already to that. I'm getting the impression that this uh, Electric Load Orchestra album, I'm going to keep not saying that right. Uh, I'm already, I can't. <laughs> You're saying it like Van Morrison would say. Electric Load Orchestra. Electric Load Orchestra. Uh, <laughs> no more lockdown. No uh, it's, uh, it's no, it already is striking me as no less um, you know, an important entry in their catalog than the one I listened to that had Mr. Blue Sky. I think it's called Into the Blue. Okay. Again, you know, shred okay. me to pieces if I'm wrong on that. But this, this I can tell they're they're in their sweet spot as a band with this. Um, I'm surprised that I mean, God, the album cover is terrible though. Um, yes. Yeah, there, it's like it's 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 a uh, there's a lot of musical <laughs> content in what you showed me that I'm like right on. I like the groove. I like he's adding these little extra pieces to keep it interesting. It's ambitious, um, and he's largely largely pulling it off. But it there's just he's making one or two choices that are really cheesy and dated. That kind of just mm-hmm. smear up the whole thing for me a little bit too. That keeps being my so frustration. I, I agree with, with you. This band as a whole. I agree with all of that except for that very last thing <laughs> okay. that you said about it. it's smearing the whole thing. I mean, I think that I can still get um, over it, but it's it's there. You know, it's bugging me in the back of my mind. You know, these concept albums, this this narrative driven music, it's almost like even at its best, you're like trying to overlook whatever it is they're trying to do mm-hmm. with the concept, like the who sell out or whatever. It's like uh, all right, all right, right. Let's get to this song, and there are definitely some cheesy choices here but i think yeah it's not just, just it's not just the story or the lyrics it's the it's garish it gets oh it's always a little bit overdone with with mr lynn yeah and i think that's their that's you know that's his thing yeah and people doing, love doing that it, it their the fan top. base loves him for that it's just it's a little too a little too heavy-handed for me uh personally i like it when the song 
is a great song. Oh, and he's got a lot of great songs. The man right. can write. So, yeah, that's another part of so it. So when the song is a great song, I hear what you're talking about, but I always just sort of take it, you know, with yeah. with, with that with the with, with the good song. I, I can. Like, it's it's it. just it's. I want to get back to. It's frustrating because I feel like if you just minimize that a little bit more, the, these guys would be one of my favorite bands ever too. It's just really like mm. ah, you're almost there with the the overall vibe. I understand. I, I I get what you're saying, and I and I think that that's the criticism that I can't. You know, right. I have taste. no answer for yeah. it. I just that's dig what it. they're about. Yeah, <laughs> I dig it enough that I can overlook okay. whatever is cool. cheesy. I'm gonna play you a song that I do not think is cheesy. I actually think it's very modern in its approach to the production. All right. Uh, the, I love what he does with drums. Those drums yes. always he kick ass. They're always locks fat. in the drums. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Zeppelin-style production underneath these tunes. Uh, I'll play you a song called Mr. Kingdom. I'm not even going to bother try to explain <laughs> okay. how this connects to the narrative Mr. anymore. Mr. Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, he likes uh, his formal characters. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play you this song from partway in. Uh, but I love the sound of this. And Jeff Lynne often said he felt like his band picked up where the Beatles' I Am the Walrus left off. Yeah, I totally see that. He is, he's a mix between the Beatles and Queen to me. That's interesting. It's like the classical, the would-be like classical flourishes of Queen, you know, that kind of Wag- Wagner level intensity. And then like the Beatles' sense of psychedelia, it's like that combined is ELO quintessentially to yes. me. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, see, see how this grabs you. All right. More, more or less in, in grip. <laughs> Was this Across the Universe? He said that that was the inspiration for the tune. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it sounds nice. I like the soundscape. Inviting and inciting me. Check out this chorus. Listen to this synth. Cool. That's tight. That's tight. The man can orchestrate. Love those synths. Love those synths. And that song has like, like a coda that is just killer. That's that's full of those really buzzy, dark sounding synths. I feel like the darker this band gets, um, the darker the flourishes get, the less of the cheese factor yeah. you hear. Yeah, get a little more melancholy in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm liking this so far. I mean, I, I like to make fun of this guy too, but uh, if I'm in the right mood, because I really got to be in the right mood for this band, but next time I'm really in the mood, I could see, based on what you're showing me so far, I could see digging more into this. I'm surprised I don't hear more of this, uh, hear more about this specific album, because I feel like it's like the yeah. later period that gets more attention. 
Yeah, I think, you know, the Don't Bring Me Down stuff, the other singles are huge. I think people kind of look at them as a singles band, but those three records, uh, Eldorado, Face the Music, uh, New World Record, th- those are all great albums. Um, they're really going for it. Oh, they're going for it too much <laughs> it, for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's your issue with it. It's unabashed. I'm very, I'm self-conscious about how much I enjoy this record in particular because it does have so many of those, you know, it's almost musical theater flourishes that yeah, sometimes yeah. happen. And I don't typically enjoy, I mean, I don't, I rarely enjoy any musical theater type <laughs> music. I just envision Jeff Lynne as this eternal, especially in the ELO period as just like this stage director tearing his hair out like no you're not getting it right like he you know he's just (laughs) that's that's my vision of him is he's always like trying to maintain control over 20 to 50 musicians and has to be exactly the way he needs it and put on these effects spends you know five weeks dialing in this sound and it's just like so much of that energy that it like Mm -hmm. it's a little exhausting for me after a while yeah quadruple tracking yeah, acoustic guitars yeah. and stuff you like know, that no, you know i love the the specter wall of sound thing in a lot of cases but some for some reason with him the fact it's all on him you know sometimes i wish like there was he had a partner that was you know at his level of Editing? control yeah or someone he really could feedback off of and to like trust with edits and stuff someone to kind of rein him in sometimes i think you know the group is what it is they love doing what they do and their fans love them for it. I can't like, you know, 50 years in hindsight, I can't like squash any of that. But I think I'd be so much more into these guys if there was somebody like that who was able to dial back the Jeff Linness a little bit and keep it a little more grounded or modest sometimes. Then we'd be talking I, yeah, a great super I don't disagree here. with you because yeah. their their sweet spot was short. Like it's, you know, it's really, for me, it's like a three album thing where Jeff Lynn was like fully in possession yeah. of his But powers. then he moved on to producing and engineering, which is all well and good. He did some great work in that arena, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, and I will shout out Bev Bevan, which is an insane name, uh, but the drummer the drummer of this band mm. uh, was just oh, incredible. Yeah. No, Dude's for sure. heavy as hell. I, I think it sounds like you are curious about this album. Yeah. And that it somewhat confirms some of your negative preconceptions about the band, but maybe opened a, another door a little bit. Yeah, it's it's basically kind of letting me know that, you know, again, I talked about Into the Blue in the past, and it's I feel like I'm going through that same process all over again where I'm like, eh, you know, I can get past the things that other people would, you know, denigrate this band for. And apparently they got lots of classic albums. It's not just the one or two. Like apparently, you know, this goes deeper than I thought previously. I mean, it seems like they have two modes. There's like the sort of Beatlesque with orchestral flourishes mode. And then there's like this funkier, like very seventies yeah. kind of They're sound. Rocking out more too. Yeah, you know, like Turn to Stone or whatever. Turn to Stone's like great. Kind of, That's one of my favorites, yeah. Those kind of tunes. I like Telephone yeah. Line. I great know. song. That's on a New World Record. Yeah, that's in that that's in this realm. Um I wanna end with a song that's actually not on Eldorado, sort of in keeping with the concept album's lack of continuity. I will step into that lack of continuity role. Um, just because I know we probably won't discuss ELO again for a while on this podcast, I want to get this song in. All right. And I feel like get it's it sort out of your like, system. I got to get it out of my system because I, I when, in listening to Eldorado, I, I kept thinking like, oh yeah, there's this other song that like um, I always gravitate towards as well. Uh, encourage our listeners to check out Eldorado. This song is called Fire on High. It's on Face the Music, which is one of their other great albums. And I think, you know, it's sort of, 
it has everything that we're talking about. It has big flourishes. It has some darker undertones. And I think you probably either love it or hate it. But mm. I think it's, as a, as a single song, this is probably the best representation of what this band does. All right. I think this is one of the most like badass prog adjacent, adjacent songs. God, I hate ever. this album cover. I hate it. I uh, hate it. It's so <laughs> cheesy and bad. I'm sorry. I, it's a it bad looks cover. like a terrible sci-fi movie that I would never want to watch. Sure. And I really, well, I, I really start judging the music from the second I see the album cover. I shouldn't, but I do. Well, I think that's kind of part of the problem yeah. with prog and prog adjacent music is that like. Is, hey, is there those, a, is there a Genesis Dean cover? Yes, covers are dope. Um, I don't. I'm trying to remember Genesis covers. I don't think I have a problem with those. I mean, Nursery Crimes a little. Uh, they laid on a Stupid. little thick, but um, in general, I no, I don't see this as it. Um, Jethro Tull does have some questionable ones too. Yeah, man. I <laughs> yeah. think you got to review that. <laughs> okay. Pro, great Frog album cover statement. Hey, King Crimson uh, got some of the best. Come on, they've got some good ones. Yeah. Tales from Topographic uh, Oceans is dope. Relayer. Great, great illustrations. Well, this song, to take us out of the prog world yeah. and into a... Fire on uh, high. Maybe less annoying world. Okay. Uh, I don't understand why this is not part of classic rock radio, this song, and like why we have to listen to Carnival 9 over and over again. <clears throat> yeah. Speaking of bad album covers. Yep. But yeah, okay, here we go. That is a, that's a oh multi-track acoustic guitar. Oh. Yep, got the bass in there now. Oh yeah, snare drum's pretty righteous. That's tight. I don't care, you know, it's just too tight. And here, here are the strings. Where'd the strings go? Mm -hmm. Oh, there they are. This is what you had to get out of your system. Yes. This is like metal yes. band energy. This is metal without the heavy electric guitar. Oh, there's some of well, that. Well, I'll let the listener enjoy the rest of that on their own time but um that's absolutely fantastic yeah i all right eternal respects for elo they know what they're trying to do they work very hard at it and they don't answer to anybody else you know how can you hate them for that yeah um i don't know if i was as much into that as the eldorado tracks you showed me but uh yeah i think eldorado is more of the era that you would probably do probably yeah of them that's their. I think that's their most. Um, they would even say it. I think it's their most Beatlesque. Yeah. Album. It's like really is an extension of that. I am the Walrus kind of sound. Yep. Electric Light Orchestra will come back to them. Yeah. Maybe someday. At some point. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think they need a ton of extra attention more than they already have. Well, I was going to do a five-part series. Yes, but, naturally. Uh, I guess we'll do the other four later on. Um, for sure. We're going to talk about uh, my segment now. And, uh, you know, so I, I do have some songs that I'm very excited to show you today. I think you're really going to like them. I don't think you've heard them before. Okay. Um, and, you know, I have some theories I don't know if I quite have a thesis. I thought I had a thesis, and then the more I kind of yeah. dug into this, I got a little unsure. I think this is, uh, it's not quite a revisionist history segment, but it might be a uh, what happened here segment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to examine a very particular period in musical history, a certain genre, a certain era, um, a certain location, really. Um, and maybe you can help uh, shed some light on on this issue. Like I Like I say, I have my my guesses about uh, what went on here, but you might be able to illuminate me further. Um, okay. So we are talking specifically about, you know, the very end of the 80s, first half of the 90s. And we're talking about essentially, you know, still we'll keep it limited to rock music, guitar-driven music. When I talk about um, that period of time and guitar music, what do you think of? I don't know, you too? You too. Okay. Well, what else was going on in rock at this time? Uh, the the dying throes of hair metal and that wasn't that already done by by like ninety ninety one. Maybe I I'm talking. Yeah, you don't get. I'm not talking about eighty six. I'm talking about like eighty nine to ninety four. What was going on in this period of time? Uh, early grunge. Yeah, you got grunge for sure. Anything else going on? I don't know. I feel like I'm in middle school. Just guide me to whatever it is you're looking for. Well, if you ask me, I feel like if you, you know, the average casual music fan on the street, hey, uh, rock music in the early 90s, what was going on? It's grunge, right, is like the first thing people always talk about. Like if you follow the overall, you know, historical narrative of rock music, that's like, oh, that's the time for grunge. And then you have some other bands, like, say, R.E.M. or U2 or whatever, that were popping around this time. But those were bands that had already kind of fermented their legacy, like, earlier in the 80s. All right, music from England around this time. What do you think of? Or the U.K., broadly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little more specific here. I feel like uh, you don't quite know where I'm going with this so far. I have no idea. Okay. So let's talk specifically about this period of time. And let's, let's go again back to the U.K., as a young lad, you know, I go to the, the local sort of novelty store, you know, get your, your memorabilia, your, your, uh, your posters. If you wanted to buy a poster to put up in your room as a teenager, what do you got? Uh, in terms of bands from the UK, from the 80s and 90s, you got certainly the Smiths. The Smiths made a pretty good dent. And then you got Oasis, right? I mean, they come in, again, middle... Second half of the 90s, Oasis, there's kind of the rise of Oasis, and they did make some amount of, uh, you know, impact in the American market. Do you see Stone Roses? Do, do, does the average American know who the fuck the Stone Roses is? Probably not. I know no. you're a fan of the Stone Roses, right? Oh, yeah, I love them. I think that's the first band you've brought up in this discussion where I'm like, okay, I, I want to listen right, to them you're, So you're, you're starting to wake up, up here, yeah. So. Yeah. I know that you already know the Stone Roses. I'm not about to just play the Stone Roses music today. I mean, if we feel like we have time at the end, I'm happy to uh, expose those who don't know to like Elephant Stone. Um, 
it's going to forever be a big... So we're starting to get into the what happened here aspect of, of this segment. Why weren't... I mean, I know Second Coming was kind of a letdown to some people. I think it's still a pretty solid rock album. And, and you know, the band had internal struggles. They fell apart. But you had a band as strong as the Stone Roses by the end of the 80s with their debut album and all the hits on that. What the fuck happened in terms of, in terms of them, like, breaking into the American market and leaving an impression here? You know, they're to this mm. day, they're pretty obscure for how pop and approachable their music is. Something slipped there, right? Isn't it weird? Right. Have you ever thought that's kind of like I had to go to Japan? You know, I lived in Japan for for a few years to finally, you know, get the find the attitude among casual music fans of like, okay, yeah, of course, Stone Rose is classic. Like, why wouldn't everybody know them? And you don't see that here. Yeah. Yeah, that is strange because, like, you know, especially I—I I don't know if these bands you'd call them contemporaries or whatever. Like, I'm not, you know, I think of the Smiths who are widely loved. Yes, everybody, here. a lot of people know what Morrissey looks like, despite his inflammatory comments. You know, he can <laughs> tour around the country here. They, yeah, they, but they were in the middle '80s, and then I feel like the window closed somehow. Sure, and the Smiths are the Smiths are, are more of an acquired taste. Yeah, I think they got their, I mean, his voice is. Yeah, his, his, yeah, exactly. They're not like, they're not Oasis level like, hey, just get drunk and this is a no-brainer to put this music on. Right. But they got, you know, they have their vibe. It's it's not for everybody, but it's, I love it. Um, I don't know how you feel about the Smiths, but... Uh, uh, Stone Roses, I feel like, are more accessible yeah. than <laughs> them. I think Morrissey's voice is often a hurdle. Oh, uh, I love Morrissey's voice. For me, oh, sometimes I think it's like... Um, just arduous sometimes to get through the man himself oh, yeah, yeah. to enjoy we'll, the music. We'll, we'll I think have if you, a I was Smith's episode one of these days. Backing tracks, I'd probably enjoy okay. it more. But Stone Roses, I feel like, is uh, pretty easy to to love, I, I, I think. I can't help but wonder if, you know, say the Stone Roses, if they had made their splash just a few years earlier, you know, around the same time period as the Smiths, Americans would remember them a lot more. And I start wondering why and what happened and I got to say, I, I wonder if grunge and the, you know, the impact that grunge had on American music fans and the fascination it held for years and years, if that didn't kind of, you know, close up shop for a lot of other styles for a little while. Grunge killed a lot. Yeah. Gr- killed I mean, grunge killed hair stuff. metal. Uh, thank God. Grunge is way better than hair <laughs> metal. So we're, we're going to touch on grunge just for a second here. You brought it up a little bit in the last episode, you know, when you're talking about the breeders and how they're not quite grunge and blah, blah, blah. But grunge was huge. And I feel like you ask the average casual music fan what was going on in the 90s rock, and they're going to say grunge. Like grunge is just at the top, top of the heap. Um, I get that if you want to rock out, you want to fucking rock out, and you want to hear pounding drums, and you want to hear the heavy guitars, and you want to hear some angst and some soaring vocals – Grunge is your one-stop shop, and mm-hmm. I'm not here to say that grunge isn't valid. Um, I'm frail. I'm delicate. I'm, I'm a dainty boy. I was never going to get into grunge. Grunge has never been my thing. And, uh, you know, whatever, to each their own. But I've always, and I've practiced, I had to practice saying this in the mirror before we started here, I've always had a bit of a grudge against grunge, Matt. Thin Lear, <laughs> that's sorry. That's a, that's a, a tongue twister. I've had a bit of a grudge against grunge because I feel like, it was such a monolith for a while, and that's mm-hmm. it set up people's expectations and their tastes for one particular type of sound that I feel like we we lost out on some other bands that were doing some different things because we just wanted that, and that's what the market thought we wanted, 
and it really held on for a long fucking time until alternative and other styles I feel like broke through a little some bit more. Circles, it's still holding yeah. on. I, I agree completely with what you're saying, and I was actually just gonna say that we, for two guys that don't particularly love grunge, we talk about it. It's a it's, lot. It's everywhere. Like I don't, I'm not a fan, but Nirvana's been fucking thrown in my face, and the Pearl Jam, and the Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, uh, inescapable is, is, uh, Smashing Pumpkins grunge. Do they count? Uh, that, that I think it was like si- next wave. Siamese of... pumpkins or whatever. <laughs> uh, Siamese cats. Siamese dream? No, Siamese twins. Whatever the fuck. Right. Siamese yeah. cats. Yeah. Uh, I think they're like the next wave of it. They probably get lumped into that. They're, they're I guess they would be like more alternative, like whatever okay. that means. Right. But, but maybe they bridge the gap uh, a little bit or whatever. But so what we're getting to today, if I'm going to finally get to my point is there are some bands from this period, even beyond the uh, shoegaze stuff, which again I say that's that's a boutique, unique sound. I think that has an appropriate level of uh, listenership. There's, I like the first. Uh, anytime I listen to a classic shoegaze album, yeah, I really enjoy the first like half of it, and then I just start to want to do other things. Like, and that's the thing with Loveless is like I love like the first like yeah. four songs. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, I can't, I couldn't tell you what the rest of the album sounds oh, like. Oh man, no, there's some great stuff in the in the second half. But I, I get needing, you know, that's a specific thing. I get needing to break that up a little more, and not just do straight, you know, binge listen all the slow dive albums. I get that. Um, but I don't get why a couple of bands that I want to show you today, I don't get why they seemingly have just not held at a held on at all in American listenership and you know, memory. Again, I had to go to Japan, at least for, for one of these bands to really hear about them and hear about how they're celebrated and remembered. And I feel like in America, we just have a huge blind spot for this. Again, this, this first half of the 90s, we just, we, we turned away from any, everything except this heavier rock and grunge for whatever reason, uh, as, far, so, as, was, as far as guitar-driven yeah. music goes. Yeah, yeah. Smells Like Teen Spirit was such a seismic shift in music over here that it, it yeah it, like, there's a lot of stuff that got swept under the the rug or just drowned out yeah. uh, because of it and it's an argument that I make about Nirvana sometimes and I loved that band it, it almost did more harm than good you know I think you look at that sort of the puddle of mud era of radio rock and you can uh, yeah you had all those bands that tried line. to copy their sound afterward and most of those are fucking terrible as my uh, <laughs> As my uh, older uh, Gen X brother calls him, uh, butt rock. That's co- you get a lot of that is you get a lot sad. of cock rock, uh, Bush, and all like the the '90s bands yeah. that tried to uh, fall, ride their coattails. Yeah, and you yeah. lost out on some great UK bands that to okay. this day I think didn't they are they missed out on so much opportunity they could have gotten had had things gone differently. They don't get the sync. And, you know, all the placements, you don't hear them in popular media the way I think you should. Uh, they don't quite have uh, the numbers for touring, um, particularly one of these bands, or Spotify. And I love this band, and I, they're still able, the first band I'm going to show you today, they're still still able to make music, and they have their their niche audience. But I just, something something went wrong. Something was wrong with the stew in the first half of the 90s. I think it was the grunge thing. I think it was Nirvana and company. Um, are these bands well known in the UK, or this is just a states uh, thing? They are. One of them is certainly. I, it's not like I've been in the UK since I was ten years old, but just based on the numbers I was seeing, certainly the second band I'll show you today. I think they still have their, you know, 
considerable following. In any case, they are certainly much bigger in the UK than uh, than America for sure, a la the Stone Roses. Sure. Um, and uh, let's finally get to, to one of these songs, shall we? You ever heard of a band okay. called Trash Can Sinatras? I've heard the name. I've never oh, listened to Oh, you have heard band. the name even. I have, yeah. Wow, okay. It's a, catch, it's a catchy name for a band. Trash Can Sinatras. Uh, they are a band from Scotland. And I want to show you uh, their very first, probably biggest single, uh, Obscurity Knocks. Yeah, I'm hearing that jangle pop. Uh, mm-hmm. It's jangly. Johnny Marr. Yeah. So what we just listened to, folks, you know, I talked uh, last week about uh, your Ariel and your, uh, your Casablanca moon. I don't know if this song is quite up to that tippy top level. I had a lot of people, I had a lot, I had more people reached out to me about that <laughs> song being like, what is this shit? Or that's great than ever before, oh, cool. even more than the Kiss episode. Well, so uh, I think you struck a nerve with uh, Dean Friedman there. I'm glad to hear that. And I got to say, maybe the song isn't quite at that level, but it's maybe just one notch down. I love this song so much, and I think the lyrics are excellent. I think it's all around just an excellent, catchy, jangle pop, energetic tune. And I'm like, what happened? Why this, this, you know, at, at the time I was looking at the numbers, it made some amount of a splash, but like nobody fucking knows this song in this country, you know? Yeah, that's a really catchy song. I could see it doing well. As you brought up Sync. So, you know, you sort of know mm-hmm. where I think this fits in these, like, John Hughes world of yeah. where it could have could have gone. It did nothing. Um, nice arrangement. It did really remind me of sort of that Johnny Marr style. Mm-hmm. Uh, really clean. Yeah, and you, you hear the Smiths here and there. They, they made their mark. I yeah. can buy a Smiths poster at the nearby novelty store. Nobody knows shit about trash can Sinatras. Uh, Do they have, a, like, a consistent output? So this album's from 1990, the album Cake. Uh, they released albums every three years, and then it became like five years, and I think the last one was 2016. Um, you know, they're definitely able to keep it going, but I'm sure everybody's got their day jobs, and uh, they just make it work when they can. But it's, this is a goddamn classic here, and I love the lyrics. I love the story. It's like the perfect, uh, what do you call it, quarter-life crisis song. This mm. just this feeling where it finally sets in this lovely liberation of you know you get to this point in your early to mid 20s where you really understand how you don't matter just how small and insignificant you are and they just capture that feeling wonderfully 
Yeah, Morrissey sort of built a career. <laughs> no, he, like he very much matters 50-year-old man mind. Yeah. talking about, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was always the part of the Smiths that I couldn't <laughs> get behind. Like there was a, and I guess there's a tinge of it here that I think you yourself are aware of because, you know. It's very literate. Know. It's lots of clever little, I mean, hey, I eat that shit yeah. up. But yeah, there's uh, yeah. there's a preciousness, preciousness. To it. I'm owner of this corner, owner of this corner, and not much more. Uh, check uh. my watch. Check my watch, and I'm half past caring. All those kind of little turns of mm-hmm. phrases that I love. Yeah, I would go out tonight, but I haven't got a stitch to, to wear. Woo. Oh, I really yeah. want to do a Smith's episode now. I love. I I'm do gonna it. Get, challenge me. I gotta, hey, I gotta challenge me. Yeah, I gotta I gotta come clean. I did have a Morrissey poster in my room when I was a a, a wee That's teen. Cool. Yeah, of him throwing the. The football hey, up in the air. I, I bought Meet His Murder as a team. Oh, okay. You know, I, yeah. I really, there was a period I was into them, but I, it's I just still, hard for I me to. I still love them. Go uh, back to that. I'm not going to stand behind any of the comments he makes nowadays. But so, Trash <laughs> no, Can Sinatra's, no. I, this, this band should have made so much more of a splash. And I just got to say, again, we're going back to what happened here. I think it was what I'm talking about with the grunge movement and the heavy sound coming in. But I got to believe if these guys came in five years earlier or five years later, Something, something would have got off the ground a little bit more. Are we talking about a jangle pop Bermuda Triangle here, I think is what you're <laughs> Yeah, because I think about. the next band I'm going to show you is also jangle pop, yeah. There's a jangle the pop Bermuda sound. Triangle going on. Yeah. yeah. These, these planes are getting lost. Uh-huh. That's what, all right, that's what we stumbled across here. This is the jangle pop Bermuda Triangle. This mm-hmm. was just, we, we, we did it to ourselves. And you know what fucking happened also? is Britain had to overcompensate after getting shut out for so long. They they had to bring Oasis to that. that Those had to become the guys. Um, yeah. We got to do an Oasis episode too at some point. I love the Gallagher brothers as public figures. Anything that comes yeah, out of their mouth, yes. I am fascinated yeah, by. Yeah, I love that. I do. Love I it. love them. I would love to see them on a reality show, but their music is so disappointing to me. I, I like when they call each other potatoes. <laughs> I think that's funny. Noel has one of the best disses for his brother, just a bet, one of the, my favorite disses I've ever heard, which is he's a man with a fork in a world of soup. That's good. That's, that's, uh, that's Liam Gallagher for you in a nutshell. It's really um, good. It's so funny. It's like that, you know, it's like that Eagles thing where it's like, this music is so lightweight yeah. and these, there's such hatred and rage between them. It's like hilarious. Yeah. It doesn't match the intensity of the music. You know, Don't Look Back in Anger, that's a pretty good song. And then I get some of their earliest stuff. You know, that can rock if you want to hang out at a pub. But God, for how much they talk themselves up, so disappointing. But yeah, yeah I feel like that's what they were backed into a corner. Old Britannia needed needed some some hype men to, to try to get the, the sales rolling again. You know, uh, mm-hmm. thing, things were weird for a while with, with trying to break into America. Um, so Trash Can Sinatra's Obscurity Knocks, fucking love that song, classic. I want to see it in popular culture more, so I figured I'd show it to you today. But I got another band to show you as well. Okay. You ever heard of The Sundays? No, this band I have not heard All right. of. Yeah, they're so good. Um, now, when they say call themselves the Sundays, is that like the the day, uh, day of the, the day? week, and not day the, of the week? Um, the, they the ice they cream. ran into confusion with that uh, while they were touring, and somebody thought that they were going to uh, build your own. Yeah, Sunday they, and the show that they show. tried to play a show in Dallas. This this British band, the Sundays. Uh, the show in Dallas was advertised with the slogan "See the Sundays on Sunday with Ice Cream Sundays." I don't see anything wrong with that marketing strategy. I, I mean, I, I, you know, you know that you mentioned it. Yeah, why not? 
get some ice cream. Well, see, listen to it's the fantastic. band and see if uh, see if you you want to be uh, eating an ice cream sundae while listening to them. Um, this band, my lord, you're going to hear one of the best singing voices you ever heard in your life coming up here. Uh, female okay. vocalist. Oh, I don't know why this band does not have more traction in the U.S. Why did it take me going to Japan? and meeting my music nerd roommate, Shinsuke, to find out about this group. And their wonderful uh, string of three albums in the 90s. I think all of them are strong. Of course, the first album has the, the best songs, but they had a lovely, uh, you know, largely acoustic, but not always, uh, you know, folk rock sound going on. We just, we let them down. Hmm. Um, so we're going to listen to their very first single. I think it's from 89, you know, so basically the same time as... Uh, as Obscurity Knocks, the first song we heard. This song is called Can't Be Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. sure by the sundays uh what are your initial thoughts um i heard voices great uh love that sound of her voice uh this this genre is just not my favorite well, no what, what, the songs kind of blend together what's it lacking for, for you me. I, I don't think i heard it at the right time in life you know like even when i was into the smiths i it was probably a bit later than it should have been for me. What does that mean? Music's music. It's supposed to be timeless. What happened here? Yeah, you know, but I think when you hear it, like at a, at a teenage time, I think there's certain genres of music that you need to hear in a teenage time in order for it to really, like, blossom in your heart. You know, I think oh. that Prague is like that. I think Jangle Pop, especially Sad, Jangle Pop is is probably like that. It's too I yearning. Think, uh, is that the problem here? It's too melancholia. It needs to, I think, take root during an adolescent yearning. Uh, so, like, I think this. So, is, how come the adolescents of the early '90s weren't? Uh, you know, this, these. There's. I mean, they it's hard to judge maybe on this one song, but this, to, these their music should have been on Friends. Would have been perfect mm -hmm. for for that show. 
for, for your credit sequences. Sure, I'm not sure that's a huge vote of, vote of confidence <laughs> for this band, but yeah, I can't say why. I mean, this is 89, so theoretically there is a window, right? Yeah, so what happened? Again, back to the, uh, is it the, the accent? You think it's a little thick? <laughs> you think at the edge? No, I, I don't because, you know, the cranberries didn't come along too far after. Oh, the cranberries. And people love them here. So, oh, you don't like the cranberries? Uh, I mean, whatever. That one song's fine. I guess I don't know much mm-hmm. about them. I don't know much about them. I know the singles. Yeah, it's all right. Well, I was, I was. You let me down. I thought you would be, but you know what? If you don't like the Smiths that much either, what can I expect, really? Because this, these both, both of these bands are just spiritual successors to the Smiths for me. I'm a hard jangle pop sell. Uh, uh, I probably like the first song a bit better. Okay. Um, but uh, and you don't like Burek either. The the moment in the song I just showed you where she goes like uh-huh, with the, like the echo that's very Bjorkian. I love that. <laughs> I do stuff. like Bjork. I do like Bjork. Oh yeah, you're. But that's that. We got to do a Bjork episode. She uh, she might be a top ten for me. I know we haven't really talked really? her talked about her at all yet, but I am big into <laughs> her nineties run. All right, so this another another victim to the uh, the jangle pop Bermuda Triangle here, the Sundays. God damn it! But why, I mean, why why Morrissey though? Like why why did he break through? I guess that's. I the think it question. was the time. I think it was the mid '80s. There was room there to blossom. That and that got close. You know, at that alternative college rock thing as a you know, medicine against the fucking hair metal twisted sister movement that was gone at that time. And then Nirvana filled that gap and we weren't taking in newcomers somehow. I don't know. REM was, was established by then as well. I don't sure that's again I thought I had a more formidable thesis here, but I come back to what happened here. Yeah. It might also be that thing, you know, that line, it's the singer, not the song. Like Morrissey is a way more wildly cartoonish version of a sad British man than any of these he folks. Is, uh, he does value his public persona. He is definitely ready to get in front of a camera and tell you what he's thinking. That's that's. And true. I think for Americans, it's an easier yeah. fit with preconceptions about like a you know sad thin British man. What does he lo- what does he look and sound like when well, he's hyper literate? Yeah. yeah, carrying around a, bu- a bouquet of flowers. Oh, I love and, it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sort of fits with our preconceptions. All right, but the ultimate mystery here, because I believe you to be a Stone Roses fan, so maybe yeah. say what you will about these other two bands I showed you. We we missed something there. Something got gummed up in the works. That album should have blew up. Just in case people are listening to this and they're like, all right, so what's so fucking great about the Stone Roses? Should we play just a little bit of Stone Roses just to cap yeah, things off Ro- here? <laughs> what, what should I play him? Hang on, hang on, hang on. This is an important question. Elephant Stone or something no. else? Waterfall? She's a waterfall? No. Play. Have you seen a have you heard? What's, which <laughs> one's that? That's a great one. But I, I Am the Resurrection is my favorite. Stone Roses. So. Yeah. I mean, the whole album is good. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's solid all the way through. It's one of those. All right. Great cover. Great cover. Excellent cover. Co- contrary to a lot of the covers we've talked about today. Yes. Excellent. It's no thick as a brick, but, you know... <sighs> Yeah, not as much no, reading. What, what, what can be? I 
Again, very accented singing voice. That might not yeah. have helped. Yeah. Look at the size of these t-shirts uh, in this video. <laughs> They're like uh, night shirts. Hey, boy. Is it better than the flannel? Uh, it looks more comfortable. Doesn't, uh, doesn't Ian Brown seem like he might just like punch you in the face <laughs> if you walked up to him and complimented oh, him? Oh, he might. Yeah, he looks like uh, an instigator. That is a hook. Yeah. Perfectly vague for a pop song. It's great. So you got that shimmery production. I think they're sold by now. I think I think we made our point. Yeah, I mean that's just like good old fashioned power pop. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, I like the jangle pop that transcends the jangle pop genre. We even with Kiss, you know, I I I feel strongly that if I had heard them during the phase where I would have been open to that cartoonish You'd level had, of rock, had a soft spot in your heart for him. Yeah, I might not still listen to him, but I'd you know yeah. defend them or whatever. Right. So really, the, the big injustice of it all is uh, you and I didn't have that opportunity when we were young. Nobody was talking about Trash Can Sinatra's. Nobody was talking about the Sundays. No. And I don't know no, why. No, they were talking to me about Dave Matthews Band <laughs> and uh, Sublime. So that's what I... I don't practice Santheria. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't need to hear that <laughs> song again. Oh, boy. Well, did we, did we answer the question? At all? Is it? It was no. It, no, we didn't. Is it still just a big Bermuda did. Triangle mystery here? It's a mystery. Yeah. It's a mystery. Nobody knows where those bands' planes ended up. Yeah, golly. Um, that was a lot of British and uh, Scottish music today. A lot of a lot of UK represented on this week's episode. A lot of episode. UK stuff. You know, I think we learned that listeners should check out El Dorado. That it's a really strong concept album. That yes, there is a cheese factor, but. Um, not an unpleasant one. No? Just kind of washes over you. <laughs> um, a wash of cheese. And uh, contrary to what, uh, contrary to the your impression of the Sundays, I got to say, they're one of my favorite bands of the 90s, one of the best singing voices I ever heard. Good singing voice. Don't let, don't let his lack of enthusiasm get you down, ch folks. Check out, uh, check out all three of their 90s albums. That's what I say. Um, mm -hmm. Trash Can Sinatra's are pretty solid, too. I like all their stuff, but... Uh, the Sundays reach, reaches a certain height for me. Another level. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? I could be wrong now. You know, Nirvana could be the greatest fucking thing ever, and maybe everything happened exactly the way it should have with all these grunge bands going to the top of the stack. But uh, I don't think so. Yeah, you navigated your way towards it. Yeah, yeah. I don't need your you found patronage <laughs> there. <laughs> you found it there. That's like a that's like a seven out of ten. Seven it's out like of seven ten. out of ten okay, okay. way of finding your way to your catchphrase. Yeah. This kind of, I don't know, I think it's the flies. This feels like a seven out of ten <laughs> segment for me. 
<laughs> too many flies too many influencing fl- you. Buzzing around, man. Buzzing around. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say uh, so long, suckers, to our listeners. Uh, and I do not feel you are suckers, though, for listening no. to this. But you, you will be suckers if you don't, A, subscribe nice. to catch all future episodes. Uh, B, you know, write a rating. No, leave a rating, write a review if you feel so inclined and you know how to do so. I know tech can be hard for some people. Uh, but then also, you know, if you like social media, you want to follow us on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And now, mm-hmm. TikTok. Yeah. Thomas is coming <laughs> up with some real sweet dance challenges yeah. to me talking about... Uh, uh, Yellow. You gotta, you gotta get with the times, folks. I'm on TikTok now, losing my opinion mm-hmm. on all three platforms. But uh, hey, thanks for listening. I hope you, uh, hope you, hope you know what to put on your playlist this week. Oh, 100. percent I do. All yellow. <laughs>